Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a podcast that supports people who are navigating SCI stigma. If you're someone who is dealing with a herpes diagnosis or anything else, really, this is a really good resource for you to listen to the experiences of other people who are living with this virus and navigating stigma. My goal is not to eradicate, destroy, defeat, demolish, whatever violent word towards stigma. My goal is to give you the tools that you need in order to choose how you want to navigate your diagnosis and um, approach stigma. So the resources include community, they include um, podcast episodes, different support groups, experiences from people. We've interviewed therapists, we've interviewed medical professionals to give you understanding about the virus. So if you can just scroll through some of the episodes and you can see from the title kind of what the content is, I was very intentional about that as I went through making these podcast episodes. And if you don't see anything that you're looking for, feel free to reach out and ask. Um, I'm open to interviewing people that may be a fit for the show, or if there's someone who um, has insight that perhaps we haven't covered, I'm always open to that. Today's episode, I get interviewed by a previous guest that we've had on the Instagram page, Make God Gay Again, is actually run by a human, and that human interviews me and allowed for me to do an Instagram takeover on their uh, page. So I was able to do a Q&A, introduce myself to the audience of the Make God Gay Again Instagram page. And I thought that that was awesome. So when we tried to do the live video, unfortunately, uh, we weren't able to have it connected on her end. So what we did was just we recorded it on my end. Um, I started the live. So it was only pushed out to the people who already know about something positive for positive people and services that we provide as the nonprofit 501c3 organization. So what we're doing here is I'm able to upload this to the Something Positive for Positive People podcast feed and then push it out and the um, the human behind the Make Guy Gay Again Instagram page is going to push this out to their audience. So um, you've heard my story before. I talk a little bit about that. I give a little bit of background on the um, Something Positive for Positive People organization. And then I'm asked a bunch of questions and I get to just answer those. So this was a fun interview. In some cases it was serious, (laughs) but um, overall, like I thought this was really good practice. Um, I'm not I'm not really sure who else there is to interview me. as far as like getting my experience because I've put it out there so many times at this point, you know, that's, it is what it is. So now uh, the big goal is to raise money uh, for something positive for positive people to support people in getting therapy or counseling services. If you are someone who is in need right now, then if you can go to betterhelp.com slash SPFPP, you'll get 10% off your first month of counseling sessions, therapy uh, services by doing um, by going to www.betterhelp. That's betterhelp.com slash SPFPP. I've been seeing a therapist for almost three months now, and it's been really wonderful for me in a sense that I've been able to deal with a lot of the things that I've thought I handled in my own healing process, but in fact, I just skipped over and kind of shortcut through had not having gone back and looked at the things that I thought were minor because they have major lessons in them and major implications. And those little things are signs of a pattern. 
Um, and those patterns tend to emerge, show up, blow up, and then control my life. So it's been nice to be able to reflect on those and look at them with someone who is able to help me sort through these things and be able to recognize them and then challenge them whenever I have uh, any of those kinds of thoughts or situations that come up. And then our other sponsor is Let's Get Checked. If you are uh, someone who SCI testing time is coming up for and you're a little hesitant to go to a place to get tested or for some reason you may not have access to it, let's get checked um, by visiting www.trylogic.com slash SPFPP without the vowels. So that's T-R-Y-L-G-C.com slash SPFPP. When you check out and um, you make the purchase of your first SCI test kit at home, you can save 30% by entering the code SPFPP at checkout. So support our sponsors, they support us, and this is what helps us get to the place where we're going to be able to do this. We're going to be able to do it this year, y'all. We're going to be able to do it. We're going to be providing therapy to people um, who are in need, who can't afford it, who um, if our sponsors... uh, aren't affordable for them, then we'll be able to cover the cost for them. So um, I hope that you enjoy this podcast episode. I hope you feel compelled to, at the very least, you know, leave a review for the podcast. Um, At best, if you could leave a donation, that would be awesome. I consider this to be sort of like a fundraising activity whenever I get to be on someone else's platform. And it's always fun, too, to get these different questions asked. So enjoy this episode with the Instagram handle, Make Guy Gay Again, where we talk about herpes myth understandings. I guess it was my channel then. I don't know what that was about. That was weird. Oh, so you can see me? Yeah, I can see you fine. And you can see me, I guess. Okay. I'll just post an update on my story telling people that we moved over to your account, but that's better because they should be following you anyway. <laughs> that works out. Thank you. <laughs> so I told everybody at the beginning of this video that this was nothing to concern themselves with and not to stick around because it was a test. So I guess this isn't a test anymore. It's not a test anymore. Now you're <laughs> well, it's funny, too, because I was trying to get like a good clean start to the videos because I like to keep them on my channel. I don't know. I guess that's a... Be- the little blooper reels make it real. Yeah, well, because you can't edit them, so you wind up with this, like, <laughs> 30 seconds to, like, two minutes at the beginning that's just, like, awkward trying to, like, get things working. But well, anyway, if, it's good. If that's the case, then I guess I can just, like, I'll go in professional mode. I guess this is funny because I was going to have you start by introducing yourself to my followers. <laughs> your followers know you. Well, you can introduce <laughs> yourself. I have no idea who I am. <laughs> which which episodes were you on? Were you on one sixteen and seventeen? I don't remember the numbers, but it was a two parter. Yeah, yeah. I could look at it in a minute. Hang on, I was gonna update my story to tell people that Go we were moving. But I'm Leslie. She, her. Um, I'm at Make God Gay again. We we were doing a takeover of my channel, but I guess now I'm taking over Courtney's channel because we had like tech issues and like my live wasn't working. Um, now the tables have turned. So I'm interviewing you now, right? <laughs> I don't think so. I still have questions for you. All of the questions that I have are for you. All right. Okay. Cool. I will post this to my grid. Also, I can kind of multitask. I feel like I'm quite good at that. Um, Go for yeah, it. so the first question that I got from followers that they wanted to know 
was why is H on my chest so dreamy? <laughs> that was the first question hey. that I got. I don't know who left it. <laughs> I'm going to tell myself. I did that. <laughs> I was being silly. Like, I don't uh, know who said that, but like that's but what the people want to know. I, I think I'm learning the importance of being able to hype yourself up. So little things yeah. like that, wherever you get an opportunity to, you should always hype yourself up. So if it's As just something... Leo, I'm with you. <laughs> so I mean, it's just like a small little opportunity to just slip something in there for you to be hyped <laughs> up, you know, take that, take advantage of these things. I love it. I feel like I would do that. Um, I did actually, yeah, I guess we don't really need to introduce you because everybody knows who you are. Um, so I guess we could just jump into questions that I have if you want. I don't know if you wanted to talk about something else first. So first off, how many questions do you have? I don't have that many. I think I have oh, like... Okay. 12 well, or 13. All right, so that will dictate the flow of how long I talk. Yeah. Because if you let me, I won't stop. So. That's okay. We're just having a casual yeah. Sunday afternoon conversation, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, the I left first the tequila is, on the shelf. I know. I was I was still going to have a cider. Sorry. Go I had planned it. for this. I, like, bought alcohol because we were originally going to do, like, a day drinking live stream. And now we're not doing that. I'm doing this that is probably for the best. <laughs> probably. I know. I was thinking about that. I was like, I should just start like a drunk talk show on my channel. Could uh, you please? I feel like people would really enjoy that. Please do. They get to like talk to all their favorite people behind accounts while they're like wasted. <laughs> uh, maybe not wasted, but you know. Okay. But anyway, so I had a really, really important question that somebody asked. I want your, I want your input on it. All right. If given consensually, is piss drinking vegan? <laughs> is the person is the person pissing vegan? Well, oh, oh, okay. So you want to go back to the source? I see. There we go. There I we see. Go. I guess yeah. It would depend on that. I would think that if it's consensual, then it's ethical. If veganism is about ethical, like you can't consume animal products, oh. it's unethical. But if it's consensual. Then I'm so, like, so what would it be like uh, if we're talking about like cannibalism or like, <laughs> well, we're, we're talking about, else, full disclosure, I asked this question. I have asked many people this question. I love to hear the responses to it because I actually, somebody else has brought that up as well, where they were like, what if they're, what if it's cannibalism? But I don't know. Like, I still feel like, I don't know if it's consensual. I don't know. But people have done that, you know, <laughs> that's the crazy thing. Apparently there's even like a documentary about. There is a documentary. I heard about the documentary. Yeah. I have it. I, I just like dismissed it in my mind until you just brought it up again. This is the only other time I've thought about that documentary or that I conversation. I haven't seen it either. I just somebody had mentioned it to me because obviously I like to ask people weird questions like that. <laughs> yeah. I do have some other questions that aren't that um, that are actually like good ones. But I, I thought... like how you led with this is really important. And you just put me well, in this space of like, all right, think about statistics and numbers and things like that. I feel like that was a difficult logical question. There were like several levels of calculation you did there. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. It's called, it's called bullshitting. <laughs> Stalling for more time to actually come up with yes. an answer. I feel like I'd be great on cable. No, I'd probably be bad on cable TV because I feel like they have to fill airtime, but they also have to be able to like cut it short. I feel like I'd be good at the first, bad at the second. Okay. All right. Here's one. Here's a good one. Which herpes myths or misunderstand, misunderstanding, misunderstanding, misunderstanding. Ooh, that's a good word. annoying to you. 
<laughs> I think the most annoying kind of one, I think the most annoying uh, is that in order to get it, you have to have had multiple sexual partners and been irresponsible with those sexual partners. Oh, um, people think that. Yeah, people think that, but that's not at all how it works. I mean, yeah. it only takes one time for it to happen. And with people that I've interviewed on the podcast, there have been instances where someone's been married. This is the only person that they've been with. Um, someone's had it since childhood orally and passed it on genitally to a partner. And people just don't don't know these things. And they also don't know yeah. that like, you're not tested for it unless you specifically asked for it to be yeah. tested, generally speaking. Now, there are definitely outliers where someone will do their due diligence when someone asks to be tested for everything, and then they test them for everything, including herpes, and then the results come back positive, and it's like, I wasn't even supposed to know about this. Yeah, yeah. No, well, yeah, and I've even heard of, like, people who, you know, maybe they're, like, married to a partner who's asymptomatic, and, like, you can be married to somebody for a long time and have sex with them for a long time and still not um actually become like herpes positive um and so like that's a whole other thing where i think people think that i think there's also this kind of sense of it's like people both overestimate and underestimate it if that makes sense do you know what i mean like they both overestimate how kind of easily you can catch it because like if people are on antivirals like depending on like what's going on like those risks can be lowered but at the same time, I think they underestimate how high the risk actually is in terms of like how many people are positive. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just I think that's really interesting because I have like a friend that's like a married in a married couple and they've been together for like seven years and she has herpes and still he still doesn't. Um, I think a lot of people would be surprised to find out that like that kind of stuff happens. Yeah, there is a, a few discordant couples that I've interviewed as well, where one person does have uh, or one person tested positive for herpes and the other person has not tested positive yet. And so it's, it's such a tricky virus that, yeah. you know, it's, uh, I don't like to speak in absolutes about it and say, well, if you have sex this many times with a positive person, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a lot of factors that go into it. Yeah. I think it was also funny. I had just found out recently that like the herpes virus predates like the human species. Oh yeah, it's kind of wild. Did you know this? Like that it actually affected hominids before hominids became like humans. Yeah, so um, I've made this joke about uh, herpes actually having humans rather than humans having herpes. <laughs> because I mean, can you imagine like herpes yeah. talking and being like, "Humans are the worst, man. I got fucking humans. I'm out of here." <laughs> like, imagine what the stigma would be in regard to humans, like how yeah. funny it is to think of that, that such a small organism carrying this massive organism and then being like, this is the worst, like, I, I'm stuck with this fucker here. I don't know if I yeah, can curse for millions on of years. Life. Well, it's my life, but you're it's alive. Your life. Eh, I probably also, you can curse on you. my life. I like sponsor vibrators, so it's fine. Oh, okay. We're good then. <laughs> I don't think there's anybody who's like expecting content to be PG on my page. I uh, should have made uh, this on my close friends. It should have been a close friends live. It would have been better. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad because the whole point of the live is like expose you to the new audiences and then we had to like switch oh, over here. But... Don't worry about it. This is always fine. It's okay. We're still having a conversation. Yeah. Um, Awesome. Yeah, I think the the myths are are always interesting to hear. Myth understanding. Um, I like that word a lot. Yeah. 
Misunderstanding. Misunderstanding. It sounds like a lisp a little, but still, it works. Someone had asked, if I'm new to your podcast, which episode should I listen to first? Depends on where you are in your life. So if you're someone who is positive and ready to disclose, I always recommend episode 99, which is called Integrative Disclosure. It's featuring Dr. Evelyn Dacker, who is, well, I don't know if she still is, but the founder, or I'm sorry, executive director of Sex Positive Portland. She's also a, uh, she has a medical care practice and um, she speaks a lot about how tricky herpes is. And she has a TED talk called stars um sexual health status turn-ons avoids relationship intention and safety so all of these elements um I, I saw her ted talk i talked to her for a while and i thought that her stars talk was very in line with an sci discussion or um disclosing to someone because perhaps you don't need to disclose to someone right away you can wait mm -hmm. to see if you're sexually compatible with them like maybe what turns you on turns them off and vice versa and perhaps your relationship intentions don't uh don't match up very well so yeah. these factors and so much more play a role there so if you're someone who's ready to get into dating ready to start you know disclosing or you need tips on disclosing that's the go-to episode if you're someone who's dating someone, let's say you just found out from a partner, hey, they have herpes and you're looking to get additional information from a podcast episode. Um, this is an ongoing thing. Um, so each episode is really the experience of a person who um, has herpes, except for two or three, one of which is an early episode called Something Positive for Negative People, which is... Um, talking about what it's like to date someone who has herpes when you're someone who doesn't have herpes. And so we had a guest on to talk about that experience and what precautions he was taking and um, some of the decision-making factors behind why he decided to still move forward with her despite stigma saying, oh, no, I don't want to do that or whatever it is that uh, that individual's interpretation was. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so helpful. Uh, I feel like you've gotten to talk to like all of these really cool people. I was actually I was looking through because I we were resharing stuff from your past, obviously, to my profile. And I feel like I was like looking through and I was like, wow, like Courtney's really like talked to everybody. Um, like I was yeah, because a lot of the accounts that you like obviously have interviewed are, are like quite well known. Um, like even the like, you interviewed um, the gorilla feminist I saw. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, I haven't um... listened to that episode. I want to, though. It's really good. So she made a post, um, something about living in a body haunted by men, and then yeah. uh, went into the herpes discussion. And um, this was a really good episode in relation to like, um, how a person may see the person that they're confident gave them herpes. Right. Yeah. So um, I believe that we went into more detail about that episode more so on um, just how you see the person. If the, and I'll have to I don't know off the top of my head, but I remember specifically <laughs> that line, what it's like to live in a body haunted by men. And then we yeah. talked about that and then her diagnosis as well. I'll have to check it out. Although now that we've talked about the podcast segue into the nonprofit, which is what we're really here for. Um, can you just tell us more about like what your nonprofit does? 
Yes. So uh, something positive for positive people began as a podcast that was supporting people who, after their diagnosis, were suicidal. Um, these are people who would go online and say, I want to end it. My life is over. I don't want to be here anymore. Anything along those lines. And at the time, I would you know, try and chime in and just be like, hey, it's not that bad. But my experience is completely unique to their experience. And when you're hearing something like that from someone who doesn't look like you, who seemingly can't relate to whatever it is that you're going through, it doesn't have the same impact. So what I did was begin to reach out to people who were living with herpes and just living in everyday life. These are people that you wouldn't normally hear from. Um, the loudest people are often the ones who are experiencing the worst symptoms and need relief. Uh, the ones who, the most common person with herpes, it's not really a big deal to them. They're not really impacted by it because perhaps they're not having symptoms. Perhaps they uh, have gone through the healing process and they know how to disclose to partners and they're in a relationship even and just don't have a reason to think about or talk about it. So it's been really powerful for me to be able to draw these people in to share their stories because that's the majority of the people who have herpes. And when you're newly diagnosed and you feel so alone and like you don't have anyone else that you can look to or any type of a role model or mentor, here's where it is. So this is your baseline for normal. We're taking all kinds of people from all walks of life and we're putting the stories in this platform. So that's what it was for two years. And then on year three, which was last year, 2019, uh, May 26 was when the paperwork came back, uh, filed for 501c3 nonprofit status to be able to supply people who are newly diagnosed, who find the podcast and are really struggling with stigma to get therapy. So I always tell people something positive for positive people is while on the surface it seems to be a herpes resource but it's really a suicide prevention okay. resource that also just so happens to um, impact or talk more about herpes than anything else so my goal in itself is not to end destroy defeat disintegrate eradicate whatever stigma it's to give people the tools that they need in order to navigate it in the way that they choose to defeating destroying whatever stigma is a person by person thing. If you choose yeah. to go into advocacy or something, then that's your choice. And you're given all of the tools that you need to in order to make a well-informed decision. If you're someone who wants to disclose publicly, if you're someone who wants to um, just disclose to the people around you, if you're someone who wants to support people from behind the scenes, or if you just come and you get your healing and you take off and go on about your business, whatever you choose to do, you're going to have as many options available as you possibly can by coming to something positive for positive people. Yeah. So the big picture goal is we're accepting donations to be able to get people therapy after their diagnosis who are struggling the most. It's great. No, I don't like, I don't want to like, because just for people who are following, like for context, you and I know this, they might not like you were really, really helpful to me personally when I first got diagnosed. Like you were one of the first people that I talked to about it. I've been following your page for a while. Um, and so I was sort of in the loop of like, I don't need to have a total meltdown, <laughs> but it was still something that you're like, Oh, I kind of want to talk to somebody about this. I don't know like who's going to be cool with it or whatever. And I think I'd sent you a message just being like, hey, like this happened to me. I like didn't cry in front of the doctor. She was waiting for me to cry and I didn't. And like, it was this like, not horrible experience. And I really appreciate the work that you're doing. And you're so nice about it. And then even more nice because later that month, I think I decided to publicly disclose 
I decided to just like, I was working for like a paper at the time and I was like, I'm going to write an op-ed about this and just be like, cause I care about it a lot now. Obviously it's impacting me. And you were so nice. You even like read my article and gave me like tips and like helped me figure out like language around like what, like, I think I'd use the term like infect or something. And it was like really, and you were like, and now I'm like, oh, obviously, but you know, you were so helpful with all of that. And I think that you are that way with so many of your followers and the people that you interact with, like there's so much labor going on behind the scenes. So when you talk about like suicide prevention, like, yeah, there have even been studies showing like people who get a herpes diagnosis sometimes show similar like emotional processing to like people who get a cancer diagnosis. And that's so wild. Um, and so, yeah, for like me to think about that and to be like, oh, the way I processed it was actually a lot easier. And it was specifically because of your page um, and because of your nonprofit and your podcast. Um, so, yeah, I just want to like stress to people watching like very, very important stuff happening here. No, um, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's been sorry. I like... No, it's all right. Uh, that means a lot. I appreciate that. And um, you reflecting on that and recalling the instances that kind of brought us together in our communication, our collaboration. Um, it always means a lot to me to be able to hear how someone's growth has been because a lot of people that find the yeah. podcast and like I'm, I've started tracking very recently and by very recently, I mean, at episode like 130, um, I began to track the podcast. So like, I see that there's a trend of a lot of people come in, binge listen, get what they need, maybe reach out, maybe don't, and then they're mm -hmm. gone. So that's, that's how it should be. Like, I don't care to keep people like constantly coming back. I mean, there's probably a few people who just like the content or like the side conversations that occur. But overall, I think that people should be able to go to a resource, take what they need, and then be able to go on about their business and do something with it. The information is yeah. going to always be there. So if you find yourself down a few months down the road, or perhaps you've gone through a breakup and you don't want to, uh, you don't know where to go, or you just need like some, some support around your diagnosis, if you feel like that's what it was, then you can go back and listen to podcast episodes. So like, yeah. you don't have to open up and talk to someone and share with them your deep darkest secret about your diagnosis you can just come in and listen to other people talk about theirs and there's like a sense of comfort and it's like a sense of community and camaraderie to be able to just hear the exchange of information between two or more people about something that you may feel like you don't have anyone that you can talk to about it in your day-to-day -day life yeah that is very well said. I don't know that I even can add anything to that because, yeah, I don't know. Like, I agree. Like, I, I, like, I definitely went in and like did like a really deep dive, and I like binged some stuff, and then I sort of wasn't listening to it quite as consistently. And I, but I find myself going back to it because of what, exactly what you're talking about, where it's like it feels so nice. <laughs> because I still think you know when you bring it up in a casual conversation with people in your real life, and I've done this, people really like. It really shocks them. Like they are so shocked by it, uh, and they never know how to react. Oh, sorry, they never know how to react. Like I feel like they think they should like apologize to me, or like they don't know what to do about it. And yeah. so they're like, yeah, to be able to just like listen to a podcast and be like, oh yeah, people are just like talking about it, like the normal thing that it is. Yeah. So um, I went in to get uh, SCI testing done, and when the doctors were like, all right, we'll have your results back in, whatever, whatever, I was just like, hey can I get a prescription filled here for Valtrex? And they were like, mm -hmm. <laughs> they, they did this. 
everyone does that. Like, they're like, doctors. It's like, hey, listen, I've had this for a while. Like, I know that I'm, I'm like, it's COVID, it's stressful. Like, what can you do yeah. for me? Give me them pills. Whatever you got to do, I need those. So I was able to get some medication out of it as well. But it's, it's really different coming from the space of, like, I think there's a sense of empowerment when you know what your status is. So whether you're positive or negative, like there should be that same level of empowerment for knowing what your status is. And I don't think there's enough normalization on knowing your status. Like we're at a place where we're trying to normalize having an SCI or getting an SCI, but like the most important part of it is really knowing what your status is. And it shouldn't be about positive or negative. It should be about knowing or not knowing. Right. Yeah. So that's I think that's really the biggest emphasis that we need to put on this uh, more than anything to begin to just normalize the knowing of your status and then being able to communicate that and like not have shame for if you've been positive at some point or if you are positive for something moving forward. It should just be, oh, I commend you for knowing what your status is yeah. and for communicating that to me. Yeah, well, I think what you're connecting it back to here is also just like informed consent, because that's the basis of it. Like, if you don't know your status, you can't provide information to your partner, which would help them like, you know, consent in a like really great, mindful way. Um, But yeah, so I totally I, I think that's great. And I also think it's always interesting where like, I think people will sometimes like in my experience, I've had people sort of like, react really intensely to disclosures. Even though I've never like I've never like really left it to like the last minute or anything. Like I, I hate that. I hate that people do that. I find yeah. that to be really problematic. Like don't put somebody into a situation where it's very hard for them to say no. Oh, kind of thing hard. for me. Yeah. It's so hard. <laughs> like if you're literally about to have sex with somebody and then you're like, Oh, by the way, <laughs> that's really like that's kind of high pressure. So I've never done anything like that. But people will sometimes like overreact and almost be like mad at you, right? Um often thinking like, oh, you should have told them sooner or something. And it's like, eh, eh. Yeah. Um, but I think the part that like surprises me is like the anger because I'm like, well, wouldn't like you want to sleep with somebody? Like, wouldn't you want to go on a date with somebody who cared enough about you and was like respectful enough of other people and their consent to like know their status, share it and just be like mature about it? Like, why would that not be you know, the, the standard, <laughs> like, yeah. it's fine if you don't want to keep going out with me, but like, I don't understand why you'd be react angrily to somebody. Um, I would say, well, yeah, it's never okay to really react in that way to a person. Um, I will say that, you know, you, you got to respect the person's decision for not wanting yeah. to expose themselves or put them at risk. Um, I think there's a way to go about doing it, though, where you don't have to necessarily be a jerk about it or you don't have to be yeah. me. And uh, I, I don't like that I have to say this, but unfortunately, the responsibility falls on us as the people who are positive um, yeah. because we often have to initiate the conversation. Otherwise, a person who is either unaware of their status or um, has a negative SCI status they don't feel a need to bring it up. And so yeah. it goes back to the normalization of knowing your status and then being able to communicate it and have that conversation and be able to um, articulate that to the other person and open up the discussion for, hey, my last SCI screening was this long ago for these things. Here were the results. How about you? And then take it from there. And then you can go into the conversation about negotiations if they haven't already been done before. And so, um, when a person who 
either doesn't have a positive status or is an unaware is unaware of what their status is receives that information i think there should be a normal response of just curiosity perhaps or unless maybe they already know they're like oh yeah i know what herpes is there's two types oral genital type one type two you can get either one either location blah 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 i don't want that shit so I want to be friends and dot, 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 or this is over or whatever it is that they're going to say, but do it in like a way that, you know, isn't necessarily jerky about it or like, ew, gross. And I think that we often expect those kinds of reactions early on in disclosures, but I don't know many people who've gotten that kind of reaction from disclosing to someone. And I think that if you do get that kind of a reaction from someone after disclosing to them, that's probably not somebody you should have been on a date with in the first place. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I was going to make that point because I think you had said that uh, on your page or to me at some, at some point because I was thinking, I was like, I've actually had several reactions that were like quite unkind, unnecessarily. Like, again, I'm always like, it's fine if you say no, like, that's fine. I don't want to be with somebody who's not excited to be with me anyway. Yeah. Um, like, that's a waste of my time. But um, no, yeah, I had had a couple like pretty negative reactions. But I definitely, like, took to heart what you had said because I was, I, I got to the point where I was like, oh, actually, this is very helpful. <laughs> like, yeah. It really is because I had a pattern of dating really toxic people. And I'm not saying anybody who doesn't want to have sex with somebody who's SCI positive is a bad person. Like, I'm not saying that at all. All kinds of reasons. I'm saying if you treat somebody really badly for that, <laughs> you're yeah. probably not a great person. Yeah. Um, like, you don't have to be mean to somebody to tell them no. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it wound up being, like, a really useful barometer for me um personally I don't know like it wound up like actually helping me emotionally a little bit in the long run weirdly I know that you have been had a real like healing focus lately though Mm -hmm. so uh Ashley Ashley Manta uh the canisexual she and I did a podcast on her show Elevated Intimacy Mm -hmm. and one of the things that she said was She's like, I give really awesome, amazing sex. And if you aren't excited about having sex with me or you don't want to, then you don't have to. I'm just going to be over <laughs> here having super amazing sex and you're going you're gonna to just be over there. And I thought that was really awesome. And it speaks back to like the beginning of this. You really got to yeah, be able yeah. to hype yourself up. Like being able to hype yourself up is probably one of the more key things Um as far as confidence goes in navigating um, a herpes diagnosis or a positive SCI diagnosis or really anything that's a huge blow to your self-esteem and what you originally believed about yourself um, because now you got to figure out new beliefs or you got to just yeah. start to challenge what those are. That's awesome. Well, that actually leads into another question somebody had, which was, has having herpes changed your mind about any of your prior beliefs? <laughs> it has <laughs> it, it has a lot um so around the time of my uh, I got herpes after college so well I knew that I had herpes after college in college I think I always had this uh I didn't have a word for it but I never really wanted to be in like one relationship like I would want to develop intimacy in a relationship with someone and then maybe someone else and then maybe someone else and all of these relationships look different they didn't all have to involve sex but it seemed like if i were in a sexual relationship with one person then i was unable to have intimacy or closeness with 
another person or other people because that was a threat to the person that I was sexually intimate with. And so I think that after I contracted herpes, I began to feel like that that opportunities were really condensed, so to speak, to where I would never be able to really have that. Like I would have to completely conform to what my other partner wanted, which would have been for me not to be so close to someone else. And that wasn't the case. Um, actually dating with herpes and dating like, because now I have to really feel out a person, I'm able to feel them out for, do we want the same things? And it goes back to that stars talk that we just mentioned, like, are we turned yeah. on by the same things? Um, are we turned off by different things or the same things? And really getting to know a person and decide, okay, we can be friends or we can be, uh, we can develop intimacy in multiple ways to where it's, there's an uninhibited mutual connection between us. And it's not a threat to anyone that I'm having sex with. So mm -hmm. in a sense, because I had to disclose and give people such a vulnerable piece of information about myself, I began to really foster more of a connection with people and like take my time getting to date them so that I can see who they are and really demonstrate who I am to them as well. Yeah. Yeah. I also think like almost like, yeah, if you do have a tendency towards, like, relationships of convenience, which I think a lot of us do because that's just how life is, then it's, like, this little inconvenience is so helpful. Like, it really is because it's, like, that relationship is no longer, like, quite as convenient as it would have been. Yeah. Yeah, which is actually, like, counterintuitively kind of helpful, in my opinion, anyway. It is. Um. Um, convenience, <laughs> convenience is a really good word because uh, I think that we go back we work backwards in situations that we often forget, you know, exes are exes for a reason, you know? Uh, <laughs> so like, just because now you've been diagnosed with herpes and they also have herpes, like that doesn't mean you two should be together. And it doesn't mean yeah. that you can only date people who are in the same boat as you. It doesn't mean that your options are limited. You have an abundance of options an abundance. And it's just a matter of now, what herpes gave you wasn't herpes didn't take anything away from you it didn't take away your options i think that it more so narrowed your focus into a particular lane to where you're yeah. going to be able to find the people the person that you actually want to be with or are supposed to be with and have that relationship that's con uh conducive conducive i think it's conducive to your own uh ability to really be yourself and not feel a need to change or be changed like yeah because that person's supporting you or those people are supporting you and just being more of who you are yeah yeah well and i think it's like a good way to think about it is like it's not that like a herpes disclosure creates bad behavior in the other person it's more like it exposes it you know what I mean? Like, it's not like you disclosing to them made them become like mean. It's more like, no, this is just exposed the fact that like, this is a part of their yeah. personality. Mm -hmm. um, it hasn't created this. It's just kind of showing you that it is there. Yeah. Um, so like when we look at this, I think a good way to look at it is uh, quantity or I'm sorry, quality over quantity. So mm -hmm. people will, you know, judge people and be like, well, how long have you been together? before you do X, Y, Z, or how long have you been seeing each other? Or how long have you been uh, living together? When I think the questions that we need to ask more so should stem 
along the lines of the quality of experiences that you have with someone. You can know each other for a week and feel like you've known each other for a lifetime because of the experiences that you've had together. So if you spend a weekend or a week together and you get to see this person outside of their element and scenarios, then you have a pretty good idea of who they are when they may or may not be in their routine of getting up, go to work, go home, do whatever it is that they do in the evening. Um, So it's important for us to recognize that as it's, it's important for us to look at the quality of people that are coming into our lives versus the quantity. Because first, one of the first thing we'll say is, nobody's gonna wanna be with me. And the reality is, someone's gonna really wanna be with you now. <laughs> yeah, I know. You made, uh, what meme was it you made the other day about like, she's out of my league, and then you were like, no, oh, I am. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, going back to hyping yourself up, uh, that was something, <laughs> so for that, that was something that was very personal for me. Um, just because like I've been through something recently where I just kind of, found myself in a situation where I was like, damn, I really, I'm feeling that this person is out of my league. And then I was just like, "Ah, you know what? I I don't know what this is. I don't know what these feelings are. This is really fucking uncomfortable. And I was talking to one of my friends and uh, my friend and I, we always play Call of Duty together. And he made an analogy for me. He was like, hey, listen, that same confidence that you have jumping out of the airplane, landing in the spot. And he goes, hey, there's a lot of heat by you right now. And I'll land and I'll be like, I am the heat. And regardless if I like kill everybody in the vicinity or if I get my ass jumped and then I'm I'm dead like 10 seconds into the game, it's about that confidence going into it. So that post in specific, in particular was really, you know, going back to that, you know, I'm like, yeah. there's a lot of heat here, but I am the heat. And in this instance here, it's like, she's out of my league. Well, you got to look at it like this. You know, you are the league. You know, people aren't necessarily out of your league. Like when you put people on the pedestal, nine times out of 10, they're just a more a challenging match for you. You know, I think that that's a really good way to look at it. Yeah, absolutely. It's like you can be like aware of like what you're offering someone else without it being like self-deprecating or without putting somebody on a pedestal. Oh, like yeah. it's not. I think that's like, I think that's so interesting when people think that they're like not worth like they're not worthy of dating somebody else. I'm like I feel like what people really want in dating is like actions from one per- like you know what I mean? Like I I totally get because there's obviously like a lot of discrimination, like there's all kinds of reasons somebody might not want to date you. Oh yeah. Um but I think pulling yourself out of the game automatically for like some arbitrary reason that like <sighs> First of all, other people might not even perceive about you. Like, I find that, like, a lot of the things I'm really insecure about, like, no one else has ever noticed. <laughs> They're like, what are you talking about? Like, my friends are like, I don't, we don't see that at all. Um, so, yeah, like, I think definitely not giving yourself, like, arbitrary. And I think sometimes herpes becomes that. Like, I've definitely had that in the past where I'm like, it's this arbitrary reason now that I'm going to count myself out. I'd be like, oh, that person will never go out with me or that person will never oh. say yes or whatever. Like, it's yeah. arbitrary at the end of the day. <laughs> so, you know what? This reminds me of when I first began dating um, after my diagnosis. No, not when I first began dating. I'm sorry. So I was constantly in relationships uh, for the first three to four years of my diagnosis. And that year four to five was when I began to really uh, notice that about myself. Like I would not approach someone or I would not continue interactions with someone or I would just be completely oblivious to hints and flirting and things like that 
all because I didn't want to have to disclose. So I don't want to put myself in a position to be rejected. Yeah. So here <laughs> is my reasoning for not wanting to uh, take any of the action steps that would get me laid, get me in a relationship or get me even like a potential friend. So we can miss out on all these opportunities just by taking ourselves out of the game because we have a herpes diagnosis and yeah. it's, it's silly now. Like it's really silly to me um, that that's how I was. And I understand, like I've been there. I know a lot of people are there. I know a lot of other people who have been there as well. And like, once you step out of that space, it's life changing, like yeah. for real, because you get to see what else is out there. You get to see what you're capable of more than anything else. You get to see, like, you get to find yourself in positions where you are dating people who you may have thought at one point were out of your league. And then you get to open up to people and have them open up to you. And you see like, damn, you know, we're, we're all, we're all the same. Like you get to see that yeah. sameness in another person whenever you're able to look past whatever it is that may be holding you back from being able to connect with them. Cause they all have, everybody has something. It may not be yep. herpes. It may just be something else. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, there are so like, now that I'm looking, you know, well, I think back to like before, I think it was, you know, ignorance is the main issue. Usually when people learn about it, it becomes less of a thing for them, which is really the unfortunate part because it really is so, it's just so obviously like, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to like, because another thing actually that somebody that I had recently learned from kinky black educator, um, Blackson, they had said something around like, you know, it might not be a big deal for you. You might not have a lot of symptoms. It might be for other people. And so, like, when you're disclosing, you're talking to other people, like, it's okay to say, like, for a lot of people, it's not a big deal. But, like, I think I had sort of fixated on that almost as, like, a justification for it being, like, fine, like, don't reject me for this. Like, it's really not a big deal. Nobody, it's not a big deal for anybody. And they had sort of made the point, like, well, that's really alienating for people who do have more severe experiences with it. Like, that continues to contribute to this problematic treatment of it and I think that was really helpful for me in terms of like both like how me rejecting myself was also me rejecting other people right oh, because yeah. I think sometimes it's hard to like <clears throat> be like oh I need to be kind to myself but it's like as soon as I'm like being really unkind to other people I'm like oh I'm not not good <laughs> yeah I tend to care a little more um so yeah like I thought about like you know me trying to make myself feel better in this kind of like problematic way is actively harmful to people who might have different experiences than I do. Yeah, and it's important to just acknowledge those experiences as well. Like they exist, um, they're on the podcast feed if you wanna check it out. Yeah. Um, I've even interviewed you know, people who choose not to disclose and that's a very controversial topic, but it's real and that's what it's about. It's about that realness, you know? Um, and I also want to just be sure to make notice of like, there are people who can't disclose and there's a difference between, you know, choosing not to and then just not being able to like anyone who may be in a position where their life may be in danger should they yeah. disclose or uh we're talking about people who are in domestic abuse situations um yeah. i've had a one this is just one sex worker say she can't disclose because her life's on the line and i can't discredit that experience because i don't know what that's like but even in that situation so um there are scenarios where people do not disclose and those kinds of conversations are also covered on the podcast. Um, and yeah, I don't, I forgot where I was going with that, but yeah, I just wanted to. I know where you were going with in. it anyway. Where? In where? relation to another question. Go. <laughs> yeah, somebody what asked, 
Somebody had asked, what do you think, how do you think intersectionality relates to your work? Good segue. Yeah, it is. So can we define, <laughs> can we please define intersectionality? Like what, yeah. please. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I know, I teach, I teach this. <laughs> no. Um, so intersectionality being the idea that each of us stands at multiple intersections. We're embedded differently in these systems of power. And so like, I might have an intersection of queerness that makes me experience um, oppression in that way. But I'm also white and therefore I have a privilege that it affects me in that way, right? And I'm able-bodied, so I have a privilege that affects me in that way. And I'm a woman, so I have a, right, a disprivilege in that way. And so when we were talking about like sex workers, for example, like an intersectional reading there is thinking about like, okay, sex workers have this intersectional identity of, especially if, if like a woman or a trans woman of color or anything like that, like you can add on all of these extra identities that make them more vulnerable, right? So when we're talking about life or death, or we're talking about domestic violence, again, um, like those are intersectional experiences. Um, and okay. we kind of need to pay attention to that. Does that make sense? Yeah, because I was thinking like the intersection of, uh, I, I was thinking like sexual health related of like sex specifically. So oh, I got you. <laughs> I, get, I get where we are. We're on the same page. I was totally yeah. going to butcher answering that question. <laughs> um, so I think there's two ways to answer this. So there's my personal experience. And then I would say like the experiences of uh, the different people who come on who fall under all of these categories. And I think that... Um, it's important for us to really be able to see like other people who fall into the same categories that we do um, who yeah. are living with this because not only am I a straight black man in America with herpes, but like I also have a certain amount of privilege to be able to be open about my herpes status, right? Mm -hmm. So this is something to take into consideration. And even in talking to all of the people that I've sp spoken to who have like these sort of uh, compound, um, eh, do I want to say traumas? Compound. Like multiple oppressions. oppressions. Yeah, yeah. The compound oppressions, multiple oppressions. Um, I think that it's something that in a way may empower them to see oh, there's someone else who's, you know, on my level or that I can connect with or relate to who's navigating this in a way um, where people feel seen, where people are represented, and then they feel safe in coming here and also sharing their story. Because, yeah. I mean, the more, like, majority of the people I've interviewed have been cisgendered, not all the way straight white women for the most part. So... <laughs> surprise me that, yeah. act, that checks out actually <laughs> i think so um so like uh, <clears throat> I, that's mostly who reaches out that's mostly who i interview who i hear from um yeah. but at the same time there are black women um there are non-binary uh, individuals. Yeah. Um, there are, and th these are rare, these are rare instances, but it's important for me to be able to serve this broad audience and yeah. have so many people be seen because again, it goes back to the root of it. It's suicide prevention. I don't give a fuck who it is that's uh, suicides being prevented for. Um, 
but it's there and it's something that I hope they're able to get something out of. And for me personally, being able to have dialogue with people from so many different walks of life really expands my own perspective. Thus, what's happening to me is also happening to this platform. So something positive for positive people can be uh, intentionally inclusive and reach out to um, audiences that and groups and people who, while I may not look like or completely identify with, I'm able to hold space for them and learn and have my learning be put on display to where other people can join in and observe, witness, listen, whatever, to the dialogue so that they can learn to have the dialogue going away from, uh, coming away from listening to something positive for positive people. Yeah, because I think really what you're doing is like you're just facilitating like collaboration among like a community that's not yet it like that's becoming a community, right? And so I've seen you, yeah, like in terms of like intersectionality and being intentional, like I've seen you like doing some work specifically on masculinity lately that has been like so great. And I saw you like uh, worked with Inner Hill Uprising, which oh, obviously yeah. <laughs> is a great podcast run by um, women of color. Um, and And so, yeah, like I see you doing the sort of like targeting for different types of people wanting to you know what now that you're saying that like (laughs) it's never really been i guess it's never really been intentional it's just been more about like seeing people oh (laughs) like i'm not like actively like mindful okay that that that's a good word for it because uh these have just been people that i've stumbled across somehow some way like <laughs> the inner whole uprising they were at uh, yeah. the std engage um conference which is a conference for public health professionals uh, put together by the national coalition of std directors and so they did a talk they had like a hour on stage or something like that uh, to where they talked about their experiences with healthcare professionals. And I was like, oh shit, that's a very important topic to yeah. cover. And at the time I was a part of this campaign that was advocating for queer friendly sex positive healthcare. And so it just made so much sense. So like, I mean, I don't want to say like I'm targeting <laughs> anybody for the podcast, but like, Oh, I, I meant like that... your audience is targeted. Like uh, you're thinking about... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm like, you're thinking about like who your different audiences are and making sure you have content that targets them in terms of what they oh. need. Yeah. Okay. That so like sense. men needing content on masculinity or wanting to have, <laughs> space held for women of color or whatever but no i totally get you (laughs) yeah well the guests really the guests really bring that out too um because a conversation will start out about herpes and then you get into i remember my second podcast episode um a little over three years ago is with uh at the time they went by wanda and let me call them she and then i learned through our conversation um, in the next podcast episode, so we were talking about this person was sexually assaulted, uh, date rape, and they got herpes. Uh, they had herpes after that interaction. And so the second, the bonus episode that we did, they introduced themselves as a kinky, queer, polyamorous, non-binary there was another word that they used. And I remember going, huh, what the F did you just say to me? And we had to talk through that. So this was like, this yeah. was an introduction to terms that I just hadn't heard before. 
And so again, you know, it goes back to me learning out loud and having my perspective expanded to where people who are listening or people who are sitting in, whatever, they can also see me growing with it as well. Yeah. If you listen to episode one and episode 140, these don't sound anything alike and they shouldn't because it's a demonstration <laughs> of my growth as a human and then that extending into the podcast and then extending into the nonprofit and then extending out to whoever it is that comes across the content. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's, I don't know, like, I think that that is, again, going back to this collaboration model that you've got going on where you're not, and you've said this several times, and I think it's great, where you position yourself and you say, like, here's the knowledge that I do have. Here's the experiences that I do have here are the ones that I don't. And like, can you fill in the gaps for me? Can we like work together rather than it being sort of like, I think sometimes people will approach, especially when they get larger pages or larger followings or whatever, like they'll approach it from the position of like expertise rather than like sort of like mentor, or like community facilitator or something like that. Oh, I like um, that community you know facilitator. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like you're a facilitator. You're like, okay, like I'm going to guide this space. I'm going to like create the space. I'm going to maintain the space. I'm going to like invite people into it. I'm going to like make sure everybody's good to go. Um, but what I'm really valuing as, as you're suggesting is like getting individual people's expertise and their experiences and bringing those yes. together and creating a space that wasn't there before. Because I think that's a really important thing to remember is like <clears throat> even a couple of years ago, there wasn't a space for like STI positivity on Instagram. Like it didn't exist. No. And now you see all of these different accounts, like all of these different projects and people are kind of overlapping and they're collaborating and like that is a community that did not exist until people like you, you know, start doing the work to create it and facilitate it, you know? Yeah. Um, who was on here first? I think uh, Sex Education not, wasn't at that name at that point in time, but that was one of the first pages mm. on Instagram yeah. that I saw that was uh, talking about STI stigma herpes specifically. And then it just like really, it, I think that... Um, probably around three years ago, like a lot of the pages really just started to, um, it, it was, it became contagious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, such a word. What a word. Uh, because like oh, you see, context <laughs> you see when people overcome or seemingly have healed, um, it makes it easy for you to get inspired by that. You're like, Oh, that's what they're yeah. doing. You know, I'm, I'm feeling that I want to get in on that. And then you get in on that and it's, literally nothing like you see it is for other people and I mean what I love is that everyone has their own angle to it uh it's not sustainable to solely talk about herpes it's not sustainable to only want to help people with herpes you know sharing your experience and putting that out to the world for not only the people with herpes but the people who may be dating someone with herpes or people who may think they've been exposed to herpes we've got all these different um types of people who may come across our content and for us um, in order to make it attainable, because it can be draining. People are always getting diagnosed with herpes. People are always finding these pages and everything. And yeah. there's just a constant cycle of, oh my God, I was just diagnosed. I found your page. Thank you. I don't know what I would have done without it. <laughs> Including me. <laughs> that's, and that's, I mean, and that's just what it's going to continue yeah. to be. It's going to always be that way. Yeah. And so it can become draining if you find yourself in a position where you're 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 
only doing that, like I feel like this is so much bigger than herpes because for me, it's suicide prevention. For yeah. someone else, it might be their healing process. For someone else, it may be entering sex education. For someone else, it may be an opportunity for coaching, right? So we've got all these different intentions and motivations behind a person wanting to be in this space. And at the end of it all, like, it's just important for us to be here. Like, it's necessary for people to be able to find these resources and find this content because it's challenging. And there's a lot of um, behind the scenes or secret type communities. And those are so hard to find unless you know somebody. And the only way you're going to know somebody yeah. is if you put yourself out there in some sort of a way. Here with something positive for positive people, this free online resource, you don't have to do that at all. I know. You made it so easy for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, though, it's great. You really did. I'm like, again, I'm like, man, my life could have been so much harder. And it wasn't. Thank God. Um, all right. Well, I don't want to take your whole afternoon. We've been on for about an hour Oh, um, it's already been an hour. What? It's been an and hour. You say, you say afternoon like it's not the evening for me. <laughs> oh, my time is only six. Oh, lucky you. I got to get ready for bed soon. Yeah, well, that's what I was like. <laughs> I don't want to keep you on forever. Um, well, and I think um, we covered all the questions in the discussion. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to say. Like, we covered them informally. Okay. I, I mean, yeah, we could close out with, um, should we close out with like a nice one? I think there was like... Because most of them we like, sort of covered like as we weaved. Um, we could end with a wholesome one. All right. Ooh, what, what has been it? most meaningful to you about your advocacy work? <laughs> Hearing the word thank you. Um, <laughs> I don't know. And, and what I'm learning is that to different people, I'm different things. Um, I'm in a yoga teacher training. And what stuck with me is that in yoga and teaching yoga as the teacher you live in the student's mind in a way that you would never know that you exist perhaps you're a big brother perhaps you're a therapist perhaps you're a boyfriend or girlfriend or them friend or you're something to them you live in their mind as uh the teacher in a way that you don't know so there's a responsibility that comes with that so i take mm -hmm. every thank you from people as like uh, uh, sort of a keep going. You know, there have been times, I can't tell you how many times I've thought, I've been like, damn, is anybody listening to this shit? And then <laughs> out of like within minutes, someone will just say, <laughs> thank you. Someone will just be like, thank Aww. you. And then whatever, whatever. So to have that, to know that I'm living in people's minds in a way that perhaps is keeping them going or perhaps is inspiring them or uh, just getting them through the day I think that that's been the most meaningful to me because of how often I've just wanted, you know, I, I need to, I can, I need to make more money. So like, I need to be yeah. spending more time at work, but like somehow I feel in my heart that when you do things that align with your spirit, the needs of the body are taken care of. I don't know how I'm like <laughs> able to pay rent, car payments, bills and everything the way that I am. And uh, my buddy Carl will tell you, he'll always just say, you know, it's all about being a blessing. And so that that sticks with me. So when I am able to prioritize the needs of the spirit and do whatever it is that I feel called to do, no matter how much I question it or like, you know, is this right? Or am I, should I be doing this? Like, should I make money off of this? Like all of these different thoughts that go through my head, you know, thoughts set aside, 
it's really about the the spirit of it all. Yeah, yeah. Although I will say, in closing of this, if especially if you're one of my followers and you have appreciated the work that Courtney does, pay him. <laughs> well, wait, wait. Let me. Oh, yeah. So wait, wait. Pay Don't the, say pay, pay me. The, pay, yeah. Not, not him. I pay the nonprofit. Yeah, I can't get paid. Not yet. Courtney. Nonprofit. <laughs> yeah, this means I don't have to pay for like the IRS fees and the nonprofit <laughs> status. But yeah. um, what the money does go towards is, um, for instance, last weekend I was in Indianapolis and we put on like a panel discussion for people with herpes. So there was myself mm -hmm. and maybe about 20 other people in the room and um, one of my board of directors and uh, someone else, Clarice Connolly, who is uh, Pieces of Reese's on Instagram. She talks about her piece as well. We led a discussion where um, we called it something negative for positive people, where we had people write down their most negative experience with HSV. And Ooh. we took it <laughs> and we just like, uh, we pulled from it, you know, and got everybody involved to talk through what the lessons are so that people can take these negative experiences and reframe them in a way yeah. that is useful for the entire room. And that was so amazing to have experienced and like we didn't get through everyone's but I was able to record it and turn it into a podcast episode I have to like go through and cut out names and dead spaces and then um, I'll be able to upload that episode so look out for that. That's one of the things that the donations go toward in addition to getting people therapy. Yes. Awesome. Yes. So if you all appreciate what Courtney does donate to something positive for positive people dot org it's f s f s p f p p dot org you're about to go in three SPFPP. seconds yeah dot org 